I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And we are the country music critic. That's right. I feel like we're on task. I feel like we're on task this week. Yeah, I believe we are. Um, yeah, we didn't have a whole lot of well, we had some stuff come up, but you know, yeah, COVID, for the most part, we're good to go. The yeah, weather. And, I mean, my whole family got COVID. And then you didn't uh you have like a situation where y'all had to quarantine? Yeah, yeah. My son was exposed to daycare. Um yeah. so he didn't get it yet. Yeah, yeah knock on wood. But and, uh, we had to quarantine, so and the weather. I mean, we're in Kentucky and everybody says that it changes every time that you you know that you roll mm-hmm. over, but it hasn't changed recently. It's just been cold. It's yeah. snow or rain, just a bunch of nasty shit, you know? Yeah, it's been rough. So it has any, been rough. Anyways, in country music news, Ralph Emery passed away this week. Passed away at 88 years of age. Truly a person who played a part in the country music community. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dick Clark of country music. I mean, he exactly. He was it for a long time. Yeah, it sucks. Losing him, but then we got to keep Dolly Parton for another year. So happy birthday to Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Dolly, I'm not sure how old she turned, you know? That's like 76, I thought. Does that make her chest 66? I don't know. Uh, no, it'd be more like uh, 56. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> that was a bad yeah. joke. <laughs> no. Surely not. Yeah, well, I'm Googling it because I want They're not all. I think she she was born in 46, 1946. Okay. Well, I mean, she's closer to 80. She's 75. 75? Well, maybe 70. I don't know. 76. 76. You're right. 76. Dang. I am right, ain't I? Mm-hmm. Also, Mr. Luke Combs and Nicole, his wife, have announced that they have a little boy on the way. Now, I don't know if it's for sure a little boy or if it's just what guys do when they claim that it's going to be a boy. But anyways, congratulations to Luke Combs and his wife as they are soon to expect a Combs in the family. Yep, He's got all the talent. She's got all the looks. Most certainly. All right. And that wraps it up with your country music news. I'm an Indian outlaw. That's right. This week, it is Samuel Timothy McGraw. Yes, sir. That's who we're going to be talking about this week. Are you a Tim McGraw fan? Uh, I was at one time. Mm-hmm. At one time? So that means you're not no more? Well, he's not really putting anything out that tickled my fancy in a while. But yeah. I will my, have to agree. Yeah, That's just my opinion. After 2000... Tim's music was a little different. Yeah. But that's not where we're going to start, folks. We're going to start at May 1st, 1967, 
when Mr. Tim McGraw was born. He went by Samuel Timothy McGraw. Okay, that that was his that was on the birth record. Now, if we count that back nine months, his conceived song was Wild Thing. Well, that makes sense because Yeah. He was he was conceived in a fever of lust and absolutely yeah his parents they uh they met on a wild evening where you know they just couldn't control themselves they had a short relationship and nine months later here comes mr timothy mcgraw yeah and the number one song when tim mcgraw was born was something stupid that's the name of the song actually wow something stupid i, no I bet it was something intended. stupid <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so wow. uh anyways he was born in louisiana he uh was raised in start louisiana you know like start your car start yeah. louisiana and he'll his die mom uh, finished uh, tennessee yeah so his mom they called her betty that was her name mm-hmm. okay she was a waitress she was from Jacksonville, Florida. At that time, like you said, they were kind of hanging out because his biological father and mother lived in the same apartment complex. And, you know, first thing led to another, and we got Tim McGraw. Yeah. Well, so his dad, mm-hmm. no introduction, if you know sports. Yeah, Tug McGraw. And let me tell you, he tugged on two World Series, World Series uh, championship yeah, banners. He was on the 1969 Miracle Mets when they won it all. He was on the 1980 Philadelphia Phillies and threw the last pitch of the game to seal the deal. Hmm. Um, he he didn't have a, a great career as far as numbers go, but he had a really good career. Enough to pay the bills. Yeah, he is in the uh, New York Mets Hall of Fame and the yeah, Philadelphia Phillies Hall of Fame. Wow. Um, he's a two-time All-Star, along with those uh, <clears throat> two uh, rings that he got from winning the World Series. Yeah. Now, to my understanding, Tim is Italian and Irish descent. So there's a little bit of... Mixed backgrounds that uh, went together to make Tim. Yeah, yeah, that would make to uh, Google. So in night, I thought he was an Indian outlaw. Well, that's what he claims, <laughs> but you know, here we are. Yeah. So in 1966, both mom and dad lived in the same apartment complex, like we said. Okay, and her family, when she got pregnant, sent her to live with uh, some relatives. Up in uh, Start Louisiana, or Louisiana, Start Louisiana. So that's kind of how they got in that area. So Tim uh, grew up with a stepdad that most of his life he thought was his dad. He thought his name was Tim Smith, which I had a stepdad named Tim Smith. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But um, anyway, so Tim he thought this whole time that. Mr. Smith was his dad. His dad was a truck driver. They would go on trips together, and that's kind of where he got to learn, like, the Merle Haggard sound. 
Oh, well, that goes to show that, you know, you're all, everything happens for a reason because I'm sure if he had been raised by his, you know, a biological father that he wouldn't have been introduced to a lot of those you know, music. He would have no. had a silver no. spoon in his hand. Exactly. And, you know, it took Tim, he was digging in the closet for something and run across his birth certificate. And that's how he found out that uh, Tug was his dad. What a way to find out. Yeah. So, like, his mom was real supportive. She took him to meet Tug, but it took almost seven years till Tim turned 18 for Tug to um, officially take Tim in as his son. Yeah. Well, I mean. So. I understand that. They were very close from that moment on, from when he was 18 till when he passed away in 2004. Yeah. So, Tim, he played, um, you know, sports in school. He went to college on actually a baseball scholarship. Uh, That was in – he messed up his knee um, at that time, which kept him from going pro, or at least that's what he claims, at Northeast – Louisiana University. During college is when he learned to play guitar. 1987, his mom decides to go back to Jacksonville, Florida, and Tim followed her. And at that point is when he attended community college in Jacksonville on like a law degree. He had a moment there where he thought he was going to study some law. What? I mean, if you're going to study something, you might as well study law. Cause... Yeah, I mean, you're not going to go wrong with that. I mean, if yeah. I had it to do over again, that's what I would have done. I mean. Yeah. You know. I don't even know what I would do if I had to do over again. I would have I for sure invested in Bitcoin yeah. in 2013. Yeah, that's <laughs> that. At least Amazon or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 1989 is the day. Or in 1989, the day that Mr. Keith Whitley died was the day that Tim McGraw was moving to Nashville. And uh, Keith Whitley was the main dude that Tim looked up to. That's who he wanted to be like, Keith Whitley. And Keith Whitley in himself is a five-star artist. Did you notice I did not say it? You I come very close. You wanted to of saying it, <laughs> but if anybody deserves the word phenomenal, it there would it be is. Keith Whitley. There it is. I mean, without a doubt, Keith Whitley. Oh, yeah. So in 1990, Tim's he starts making this do um, these demos around town, singing songs and stuff. And his dad is actually friends with someone at Curb Records. And his dad is the one pushing for, you know, the record labels to uh, listen to his son. And around 1991, he he got a uh, record deal and released his first album. And there was a lot of DJs that said that it was terrible. The first album was completely terrible. Nothing (laughs) even hit the charts. Now, if that happens nowadays... You're done. Yeah. There's no comeback. That's when a, your first that's... album is such a flop like it was for Tim McGraw. I mean, it was it was it was awful. 
You know, it, I mean, it's hard to come back from. Exactly. So, 1993, Tim releases Tim McGraw. Mm-hmm. Now, this album, it was kind of back and forth. I mean, it, it just, it, it was part of that, you know, the beginning. I mean, nothing really took off for Tim until 1994 when Indian Outlaw come out. Yeah. And, and not you a know moment what? too soon. Yeah, yeah. From that was the name album, of the album. <laughs> not a moment too soon. That's right. But it was and, also not a moment too soon in his life because exactly. he came out. And he exploded with a few songs off this you know, album. Well, here's the thing with the Indian Outlaw. So it sparked up a lot of controversy, which kept him in the news. And, you know, sometimes, especially back then, and as we've just seen with Morgan, um, sometimes the more they run your name down, the more the price goes up. You know, and that kind of yeah. put a little bit of spark with uh, Tim McGraw. You know, some radio stations wouldn't even play it because they thought that he was taking a stab, you know, kind of poking fun at the Indians and stuff like that. And that song stayed at number eight on the charts. But still to this day, one of the biggest songs that he ever had, in my opinion. If he was to release that today, he would be shunned. You think so? Yeah, that's true. Because I'm a fan of the Cleveland I'm a you know, fan of what used to be the Cleveland Indians. That's my baseball team. They're now the Cleveland Guardians because uh, 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 their mascot, something that you look up to, something that you take pride in, something that you can even you know fear, and but you respect is a, that's what that's what you pick for a mascot, and they didn't like that they yeah respected. And took pride in the name, the Indians. So now they're the guardians named after a statue that sits on a bridge in Cleveland, but that's insane. Why all that happens. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I would consider an Indian just as cool as a cowboy. I mean, you know what I mean? Even though they fought each other. I mean, think about it. The Indians were badasses too, you know. Have you so, seen Brokeback Mountain? No. Have you? That's <laughs> about some cowboys. I haven't seen it, but I know what it's about. Well, you sure know the name. <laughs> yeah, because you got here. the poster on your wall right behind you. Yeah, no, no, and, and you know, <laughs> busted in lazy. While we're talking about that, so this hasn't been mentioned, but I just want to clear the record on that. We poke fun a lot at each other. And I know I might have said something about the CMA duo of the year. Okay, here's my thing. Had they released something phenomenal or a good album or a good song or did something crazy, I felt like they did deserve that award. But not just because one of them decided to come out of the closet and announce itself. And that's kind of what I felt like is why they gave him that award. Now, I believe that you should live the life that you want to live, and there's nothing wrong with it, and you shouldn't let people put you down for it. And we certainly wouldn't put you down for it, but you don't deserve a country music award for it. Right. Because it's not country music. It's just uh, I'm exactly like you. 
I believe you should do whatever you want to do that makes you happy. If that's how you feel you know, most comfortable, then let your freak flag fly. Right. Do it. I mean, yeah. You got to do what pleases you. Do, you do know, what, makes, know, what you makes you happy. And at the end of the day, as long as you're happy, what does anybody else have to say about that? Right. But right. I understood what you were saying at the time. But yeah, and and you know we we poke fun a lot at each other. Most of the time, yeah. it's all fun and games. Yeah, we I love, joke around a lot. We love black people. We love gay people. We love brown people. We love all kinds of people. We love anybody who will take the time to listen to us. I like anybody that has blood. Amen. If you don't have blood, I don't like you because you yeah. it's a little creepy. Shouldn't be listening. So, anyways, off that soapbox. After Indian Outlaw had its big success. They decide to release Don't Take the Girl. Yeah, another great song. I mean, what was your thoughts on what was your thoughts the first time that you heard this? First time I heard that I was in middle school. Um actually no, I wasn't I wasn't even I was getting ready to go into middle school when I heard this. And I mean it was one of them songs that when you heard it, you're like, oh, I can sing to this yeah, all day long. Great you know, story. It, like, uh, yeah, it's a great story. And it's a, it's a simple you know, premise for a song, but something about that just resonated with almost everybody in you know, country music you know, fandom. Because yeah. this song took off, blasted off like a rocket. Well, you and know, I think it was more so, uh, you know, that song than Indian Outlaw that, you know, really got him, you know, in the thick of, you know, country music, you know, stardom. Well, it'll always be his first number one. Too, right. You know, yeah. that was his first number one song. And a lot of critics at the time said, well, this gives Tim that soft side that everybody wanted because you know you come out with this big bad cowboy of uh indian outlaw and then there's all this controversy then he comes out with something like don't take the girl you know i mean you start thinking about him singing it in his you know buffalo briefs yeah and you're like oh well i'll never forget the video for the rest of my life i thought it was one of the coolest videos ever you know it, it looked like he was singing in a, like a big building somewhere and they blacked out all the lights and had these strobe lights uh well it wasn't really a strobe light but it was like the white lights and uh the video itself is just as important to me as the song and i mean it's still to this day one of the greatest country songs of all time I mean, it's up there for sure. Don't take the girl, man. You take my watch. You take my billfo. Take my truck. Don't take the girl. You know. Yeah. So at that time, right after that, so here we are in 1995. Things get a little bit hotter. He 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 releases one of the greatest country songs as well down on the farm and you know as a kid that part where he says uh jimmy johnson's daughter just run off you know man he yeah. knows how to grow them 
if you know what I mean. At the time, I didn't know what he was talking about because I was a kid, but I was just singing along. And then, you know, when you get older, you realize what the song really meant. Yep. Well, there's a lot of innuendos and stuff like that in songs that you don't really realize when you're younger. But when you grow up, you're like, oh, I know what they're talking about now. Yeah, I mean, and can you imagine what the record label thought when, okay, they got all these songs coming out. So you got Indian Outlaw, you got Don't Take the Girl, you got Down on the Farm. Down on the Farm went to number two. The one after this was number one. Then Indian Outlaw was number eight. This is a, a transformation from the yeah. album that they had from that, you know, before yeah. that. His uh, sophomore, you know, uh, season, I guess you could say, putting it in a, in a sports reference, his second album that he released was huge. Like, I mean, you it's think, what made... you get three singles uh, that are as good as the you know, three that he released. In the top ten. Yeah. Like, if, if you put three of those out on one album, especially, you know, at that time, you're selling millions upon millions of albums now today you're just going to sell a whole lot of singles <laughs> but it's all different but it that's insane like to think that you know three songs of that caliber you know made it to that high of a ranking off one album it, it was actually four this was the fourth that went number five this song went to number five so if you put those four in the top ten I forgot about this song. But, yes. I think there was an artist that like remade it as refried beans. Yeah, that Did was uh, yeah, Cletus T. Judd. Yeah. yeah. That I I love that song. That was a that was a great country song too. Yeah. I didn't like that one as much. I forgot about it. So here we are in 1994 with Indian Outlaw, Don't Take the Girl, Down on the Farm. Refried Dreams. He's on tour playing thousands of people with one album. And that album becomes Album of the Year and he wins New Male Vocalist of the Year. 1994. He to, yeah. I mean, he would have to. Right. You know, it was one of the most played songs of that time. You yeah. know? So, we go from that two this was his next album i actually own this album all i want do you remember this song uh, no i do man like, oh, I, I want to jam to this Oh, yeah, I remember Yeah. So he comes out with this album. This album has his next second number one song, which is this one right here. I'll never forget at the end when he says, don't forget to turn out the lights. You know, they actually put that part on the radio. Did you like this song? 
maybe the first five times I heard it. Yeah, they, then they kind of wore it out. This is one of those songs that they played until everybody's ears were bleeding. Like, yeah. they played this over and over and over again. It got wore out, and I got so tired of it. It was a huge hit. This was actually Tim McGraw's third number one. Oh. Down on the Farm went number one. Oh, did it? So here we are in 1996. Two singles. They all went to uh, number two, number five. And then he had that song, uh, She Never Lets It Go to Her Heart. That was a single off this one, which was a great song, too. So here we are in 1996. You've got Tim McGraw with almost anything that he releases is gold on the radio. Yeah. So he has this tour called the Spontaneous Combustion Tour. (laughs) And he has Faith Hill on tour with him. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is when he kind of gets the hots for her. Faith has been married like twice not? by now. Okay. But Faith Hill, I love the 1996 version of Faith Hill. I mean, that song that she done, um, it matters to me. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Love she, it. At that time, man, she was she was huge in her own right. She like, had an engagement. With Scott Hendricks, which was one of the hottest producers at the time in Nashville. He was the reason that we have Blake Shelton, Trace Atkins, and Alan Jackson. She was engaged to him. Broke off her engagement because Tim has got the hots for her. So they start dating. First thing leads to another. He proposes a couple times, and she just doesn't answer. She doesn't say yes. She doesn't say no. So, he's out here at Country Thunder. They're playing the show together. He goes on stage, does his show, comes back. She writes on the mirror with lipstick, yes. So, Hmm. she's saying that she'll marry him. They still, to today, which from 1996 to now, they still own that mirror. He was kind of joking about that recently on social media. So, from this point, they decide, okay, we're going to get married. They got married in uh, October 6, 1996, okay, in Louisiana under the locust tree at uh, Tim's aunt's backyard. They told all the family that they were going to go do a charity softball event. So when the family was there, they were waiting for them to get off the bus. So everybody's in there sports gear you know ready to have a good saturday just playing sports and faith walks off the bus in a wedding dress and the family is just ecstatic you know they couldn't believe it because you know here they are dressed in ball shorts and cut off tees and they don't really know that they're coming to faith and tim's wedding is what they were doing it's a very small amount of people there and uh, Faith was barefooted because Tim uh, noticed that about her, that she had phenomenal feet from the beginning. So, yeah. Wow. She was barefooted at the wedding. She's Beautiful. not from Kentucky either, so, I mean, that's that's a rarity. Yeah. 
So get this. People joke because they were engaged for three months. However, they never confirmed seven months after their marriage come their first child. Yeah. So the engagement took place in June at Country Jam, of course. Yeah. Three months later, they're married. 1996 was unreal for Tim. So he wins album of the year the year before that. He's the new male vocalist of the year. And then he gets one of the hottest chicks in country music at the time. And I, I still think she's beautiful. I mean, even after all these years, I think she is. She's like a fine wine. She's just keeps getting better. The cool thing that, you know, you're not going to find this information on the internet because I've looked, but from the times that I was playing in Nashville and stuff like that, there was a lot of rumors that around 1994 was the time that like Tracy Lawrence and Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw, they all had like an apartment in the same apartment complex and they kind of run together. So if you can imagine the caliber of fame that was headed to all three of their directions and they, you know, they were just a bunch of good old boys, you know, you imagine the caliber of groupies that was showing up at that apartment complex. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, and here you are in 1994, 1995, Kenny Chesney. He doesn't blow up until like 2000-ish, but you've got Tracy Lawrence. I mean, a powerhouse of ballads. You got Mr. Indian Outlaw. I mean, that's somebody you ain't going to want your 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 girlfriend to go hang out at the party with. No, you know definitely what I mean? Not. Yeah. So 1997. Tim McGraw releases the album Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which Everywhere was the first country album that I purchased. Really? As it came out. Mm-hmm. Is it because of this song right here? It was. This is my favorite Tim McGraw song, for sure. Tim still to this day says that this is one of the greatest songs to play live. Six lanes, tail lights, red ants marching into the night. They disappear to the left and right again. Another supper. I mean that fiddle at the beginning. Yeah. That just is yeah, 90s country music is what that sounds like. Yeah, and, and that's a massive song. Did you know that this song stayed in the charts for 42 weeks? That's a long time. A long time. That's, yeah, just about a whole year. He had six singles on Everywhere. Four of them went number one. Yeah, which is another reason why I bought the album. Yeah, it was that was a great album. And like this is what I was wondering. I don't know if you know the answer. Did he write all these songs? No, Tim's not much of a writer. Okay. He's just a singer performer. Mm-hmm. I was wondering because that's a whole lot of writing to do. Yeah, I mean you you have uh 
guys who wrote like Live Like You Are Dying, uh, Craig Wiseman, who were, um, they penned a lot of these songs for Tim. Yeah. This song right here. That was a great song. Crazy amount of success off this song right here. I'll never forget the video because this is when they reveal that Faith was pregnant in this video. Of course, that was back before Facebook, you know. Oh, yeah. I think AOL was out at that time, but that was about it. <laughs> yeah. That will forever be a Tim McGraw and Faith Hill song. Ooh, then he yeah. had Just to See You Smile and Everywhere. Yep. <laughs> Album of the Year at the CMAs. It's Your Love, two Grammy nominations. Just to See You Smile. I mean, that was a great song itself. Yeah. You know? Yep, yeah. Five of these peaked at number two. Uh, a little while that song that was on there it was number two song I mean here yeah. you are six of the songs that were probably what 12 on the album yeah probably so then 1999 here we are placing the sun album he had the please remember me something like that my best friend my next 30 years some things never change that 1999 is when Tim McGraw and Faith Hill won a Grammy for Let's Make Love. Do you remember that song? <laughs> yeah. They would have so made they, a lot of money if they had just recorded that. Yeah. So, <laughs> 2000, Tim releases his greatest hits. Now, what artist is able to do that in six years' time? Yeah. You know, from the start. They go on tour together for the Soul to Soul tour. Um, then that's kind of when Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney start, uh, hanging out. They were on tour with, uh, George Strait in Buffalo, New York. And Kenny decides that he wants to talk a cop into riding a horse and they kind of get into a scuffle and Tim joins in on the madness and they both end up charged with assault, which was later resolved. Mm -hmm. Money will resolve a lot of problems. It sure will. You know, Almost it, it don't matter time. who you are. No, look at OJ Simpson. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, awesome. total, Tim McGraw has won three Grammys, 14 AM, ACM Awards, 11 CMAs, 10 American Music Awards, three People's Choice Awards, 2000. He uh, won Entertainer of the Year and the Father of the Year in the same year, which is pretty cool. Father know? of how do you win Father of the Year? I thought that was a fictitious award. He actually did. He did. Well, I think I think money has something to do with that too. Oh, surely not. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it does. So around 2004, he comes out with Over and Over with Nelly. It was kind of his. Um, that's basically all he sings is over and over and over. Yes. So uh, from this point on, from this point on, let me let me just tell you, folks, he had some good songs, but nothing compares to the Tim McGraw before 2000. 
And that's the memory that I like to keep of Tim McGraw. So musically, that's all I'm talking about. Yeah. From 2000 back. I mean, he don't get me wrong. He had some good ones. If you're reading this, A Night to Remember, you know, uh, The Barbecue Stain. Um, yeah, that's a big song. I mean, Barbecue. I just don't really, I'm not really crazy about the new stuff that he's releasing. I just, I'm not you know but you know he has to be selling some of it oh yeah without it i mean he's still got number ones you know still famous mega famous yeah well i mean he's in 1883 the whole thing with yellowstone yeah so let's talk about his movies so the first time that he was on tv was in 1997 with jeff foxworthy uh in 2004 he was in a movie called black cloud and Friday Night Lights. I remember Friday Night Lights. That was a great movie. Even though I'm not a sports fan, it was a really good movie. Me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disclose something. I'm a huge sports fan. I've never seen Friday Night Lights. Really? Yeah, never have. Yeah, it's, it's about football. I, I already knew that just because it's called Friday Night Lights. But uh, – I've never seen the movie and I've never seen the show. Yeah. Yeah, Friday Night Lights. I've seen almost every other one, but I've not seen those. So 2006, he is in another movie called Flicka, which uh, he had a soundtrack. He had a helping hand in that. Uh, At this time, they give him a Hollywood Walk of Fame star around 2006. 2008, he's on Saturday Night Live. 2009, he was in The Blind Side. Did, you did mm-hmm. see that, right? Oh, yeah. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, it's about Michael Orr. Yes. It's, it's a good movie, but the movie is like blown out of proportion to the actual you know, true story, which they usually do that. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to do that for you know, Hollywood to you know, accept it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good story. And he was actually... I thought he was a good actor in it. I thought he did pretty good. Yeah, I did too. I thought he was he great. He's not going to win an Oscar for it, but I mean, he's not Kevin Costner, but I mean, you know, he's a good smart ass dad, which is what he was first known for on TV for Friday night lights. Yet he won father of the year. I call bullshit. I know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So 2010, he was in country strong. Now, Country Strong in itself, the soundtrack, it had some massive songs. I mean, we could do an episode on the singers and songwriters on the movie Country Strong. Did you watch it? Nope. Well, it was a really good movie. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. 2015, he's in a movie called Tomorrowland. 2017, he's in The Shack. The Shack was a really good movie. Did you see that one? Mm-mm. Wow. That one would put a tear in your eye, especially as a parent. It, it's it's a really good movie. So 2021, he is on TV with his wife, Faith Hill, as his wife in 1883. So if you remember 
we're big Yellowstone fans. Well, I am. Jordan is about to be. It. As soon as he has a chance to watch it, he will jump on that bandwagon. As soon but, as they let me have season one, I'll watch so, it. The reason for 1883 is Tim McGraw and his wife are the first Duttons to find the land that Yellowstone is on currently. So they're the first settlers to take over the land and create the ranch that everybody's fighting for. Mm. So that was the purpose of 1883. Now, charitable things that Tim McGraw's done. He's done a lot of stuff. I mean, he really has. I mean, you can tip your hat to him, you know, with the fame and the money that he has. He has done some cool stuff. Of course, I can't read it all, but something that did stand out was in 2007, he donated $5,000 to a three-year-old whose father was killed in the line of duty responding to a domestic violence call. And, I mean, that right there just stood out. You know, I mean... Tim McGraw, I've seen him twice, maybe. One time it was front row, and he seemed like a respectable guy. He really did to me. I mean, uh, but if you look on the Internet, more than once he's got into it with somebody in the crowd. There was a lady who tried to steal his ring, which you can find on YouTube, and uh, stopped the show over that. There was another guy that he tried to drag up on the stage to fight. And the guy's like giggling the whole time because he's <laughs> drunk and he's this big heavy set guy. And he's thinking, Tim McGraw's pulling me on stage. Hell yeah. But Tim <laughs> McGraw's got Indian outlaw playing and he's like ready to fight this dude because he had pushed a girl. Mm. One time Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, they were on tour together and, um, Somebody grabbed Tim where they shouldn't have. And Faith got pissed plumb off, like, ready to end the show. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Hmm. That's pretty funny. There was rumors that Tim McGraw owned a bar in Nashville called The Broken Spoke. And I actually got to play there one time. And uh, it was pretty cool, you know, just uh, the fact that Tim may or may not own it. He also owned a sports team for a brief time. Which team? It was like Nashville Cats or something. It was Nashville something. Uh, it was a very the arena football. Yes, yes. Okay. And it yeah. didn't take off, but he owned it for a little while. I mean, he's probably in the group of uh, singers that are wanting to bring a, a major league baseball team to Nashville. Yeah, he probably is, but more than anything, he is into politics. In 2006, he said that someday he would like to run for U.S. Senate or even governor of Tennessee for the Democrat Party. So he praises Bill Clinton. 2008, he said that he was a blue dog Democrat and he and his family proudly supported Obama. Mm-hmm. 2021, he performed at a virtual uh, inauguration event for Biden. Fun facts. This is where we are. So, fun facts are um, Taylor Swift had a killer career with the first song that she had, which was dedicated to Tim McGraw. You know, and I think we all 
have a part in our life at this age to where we can say, yeah, when I was 12 or 13, I used to, you know, play, um, it's your love to this girl. Or I tried to dance with a girl at the eighth grade dance to this is, it's your love, you know? So we all have that point with Tim McGraw, I believe. Uh, Tim McGraw is a hat person. No matter what, he wants to wear a hat. In uh, college, as we said, he did study pre-law for just a little bit. Tim McGraw has five tattoos. One of them he got when he was 20 year, 22 years old. It's a leprechaun wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah, He's got face he... name on his body. He also has the initials of his three daughters that we um, haven't mentioned because, you know, we were trying to focus mostly on the artist. But he has three daughters. He has their initials. And he also has DHD on his ankle, which stands for his band, the Dance Hall Doctors. They have been together. Um, Over 80% of them are the original guys that started with Tim from the beginning. Tim likes to sleep nude. On to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. His uh, female uh, fans would love that information. Yeah, well... Anyways, so he also enjoys quail hunting. He also got his pilot's license. When he stopped drinking, he put all of his focus into getting pilot license, and he achieved that. Tim McGraw's favorite album of his own is Live Like You Were Dying. That song he dedicated to his dad, and uh, Craig Wiseman wrote it. Massive hit, Live Like You Were Dying. Uh-huh. Tim McGraw is five foot nine inches, almost six foot. He is worth a hundred and sixty-five million dollars. Him and his wife own an island. Yeah, next to Kenny Chesney. I'm not sure if Kenny Chesney owns an island or not. He does. I would say so. He I does. mean, he's based his whole career around it, so I'm assuming so. Um, Tim McGraw is by far one of the greatest country artists uh, in our time from the 90s, I will say. Um, I loved his stuff back then. Not a big fan now, but I think we're to the point to where we're going to rate him, and I'm I'm ready if you are. You want to do the hypotheticals? Yeah, yeah, we can do the hypotheticals or the rating. It doesn't – whichever one you want to do. I mean, we can do the rating first if you want. Okay, well, I'm going to put Tim at uh, four. Okay, I'm going to put him at a, oh, man, he did have a lot of good songs in the 90s. Uh, for all that, I don't like that he didn't, he didn't write any songs. He might have wrote some, but he didn't write yeah. the vast majority of them. Um, I like his work ethic, though. I mean, he's putting in a lot of time. He wrote an album almost every year every other year yeah he released since 93 yeah (laughs) yeah and and i mean his movie i mean it's like he's always in a movie or he's always portraying something so he's got good work ethic i'll give him a star for that all his huge hits in the 90s i'll give him two stars for that um yeah let's see we'll do i'll do three and a half three and a half 
And that's where we got Tim McGraw at. Four and three and a half. Mm -hmm. Now, hypotheticals. What song would you fight to? And I'm going to go ahead and say, I'd say we got the same song. Uh, Indian Outlaw. Yeah, that would be mine. That's That's my fight song. Yeah. The song that you would make love to. Ooh. See, there's a few, but I guess it's it's your love. It just does something to me. Puts a shock right through me. I can't my, get enough. Mine would have to be my best friend because of the simple fact that, you know, that song, you know, it, it connects to me in a lot of different levels because I believe that when you meet somebody and you marry that person, that obviously that that person should be your best friend on the entire world, no matter what. So that song is kind of personal to me for something of that nature. So that's what I'd go with. So our final one, which one would you listen to forever? And I believe we're going to be the same one. Where the green grass grows. Green grass grows. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I Red couldn't imagine. The yeah. I mean, wow. What a career. I mean, and yeah. honestly, I've been watching some videos, and, you know, Tim McGraw, he's getting up there. He is. He takes really good care of himself, though. He does so, to an extent. He's probably going to be but, around for a long time. You know, if you go on YouTube and you watch, he had this phase where he sung a lot of songs like a robot. Have you ever heard him do that? I'm going to look what the green grass grow. I mean, seriously, (laughs) look it up on YouTube around like 2006. And it makes you think, okay, is he just tired of singing the song so many times? Or, you know, is he tone deaf or what? I mean, I'm sure he could still do it just as good as he could back then. But there's a lot of live videos where he has that robotic sound. He could have cloned himself. I don't yeah, know. I'll I'll send it. I'll I'll send you a link on. It. All right. So um, I actually did forget there was another thing I noticed. Do you see where you know Luke Bryan is on you know, bed rest? Essentially, he can't. He's not allowed to sing. Well, I mean, this is a country music book. show. Yeah. <laughs> he he's not in our news. No. Well, I because mean, he's not country. Well, that's true. I mean, he's got some good songs. He, he can he sing. Is. He's a nice guy, but... Writes a lot of songs, evidently. I just oh, learned that please. a few weeks ago. Yeah, songs about trucks and beer and all that goofy shit. And dirt roads and mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Yeah. It has been an awesome episode. We'll see you next time where the green grass grows. That's right. See you, folks. Six lanes, tail lights, red ants marching into the night. They disappear to the left and right again. Another supper. The country music group expresses with this content and all liability and responsibility for you about your rights. Please handle special consequences for you and just browse your app. Which means no reference to the lines on or the ability to use this podcast or the information contained in this podcast. All information is obtained by the world by the way.